content not suitable for all ages. Listener discretion advised. Welcome to tonight's episode of Cryptic Portal. I'm your host, Mike, and tonight we will be taking you through some true tales of terror. We want to start this episode off by taking a moment to say thank you to everyone who has been listening to us over the past several episodes. Your support means so much as we are very grateful. Tonight's stories are about female serial killers who have done the unimaginable. We start tonight with our first story which paints a picture of what true evil looks like. Nancy Hazel, better known in later life as Nanny Doss, was born in 1905 to a father who was determined that his four daughters would walk the straight and narrow path of virtue. He forbade makeup, pretty clothes, and parties, meaning that there was nothing the romantic nanny longed for more. She wasn't destined to be lucky in love, though she married five times, and none of her husbands stuck. Things might have turned out better if she hadn't killed four of them. Her first marriage took place when she was just 16, She wed a local factory boy whose controlling mother made her life a misery. When two of their children died from food poisoning, accidental as far as history knows, the couple split, making her first husband the only one to escape death at his wife's hands. Nanny, now with her two surviving daughters in tow, remarried and stayed with her second husband, a rough, violent man long enough for her daughters to grow up and have children of their own. She wasn't a fan of their kids, though. She stuck a hat pin through the head of her daughter's newborn, then asphyxiated her toddler while her daughter was away. Both deaths were ruled accidental, and Nanny collected the life insurance. Shortly after that, she murdered her second husband by dosing his whiskey with rat poison, The third time wasn't the charm. She took out an ad in the Lonely Hearts section of her favorite romantic magazine and married the man she met within the week. But then he died, his house burned down, and his mother perished in a tragic string of events that Nanny had everything to do with. She once again collected the insurance money, then headed off to murder her sickly sister, her mother, and her fourth husband a man she met through a dating service. Husband number five proved her undoing. Experience had made her sloppy and her haste in collecting the life insurance policy she'd take it out on him tipped off the doctor, who decided to perform an autopsy. His discovery of astonishing quantities of arsenic sent the police after Nanny, who confessed to all her murders, giggling all the while. 
Serial killers exist all over the world, and the small country of Denmark is no exception. Adoption agencies at the turn of the century always had a bad rap, but this next story takes it to a whole new level. Danish serial killer Dagmar Overby murdered anywhere between 9 and 25 children during a seven-year period between 1913 and 1920, although some historians believe the figure could be as high as 200. She was born in 1887, and little is known about her early life. Overby worked as a professional child caretaker, where she was supposed to look after children born outside of marriage. It was known as a baby farm, or an unofficial adoption agency, and it was the scene of her first serial killing spree. All of the murders happened in Copenhagen, Denmark, and she killed the unfortunate victims via strangulation and drowning or else she burned them to death. Overby buried and burned the corpses, or else she hid them in the loft. There are scant details regarding her arrest in terms of how she was eventually caught. It is remarkable that she was able to murder so many children over such an extended period without arousing suspicion. Her trial was one of the most talked about in the history of Denmark and her actions resulted in changes to the nation's child care legislation. During the trial, Overby's lawyer tried to defend his client by saying she was abused as a child. This cut no ice with the jury, as she was found guilty of nine murders and the judge had no hesitation in sentencing her to death. Only three women received the death penalty in Denmark during the 20th century. But, like the other two, Overby's sentence was commuted to life imprisonment. After her arrest, over 180 children were reported missing from the baby farm. There is a possibility that these reports came from parents who committed their own misdeeds, and they sought to cover things up. But one has to assume that Overby almost certainly killed more than 25 children. She never spoke about her reasons for murdering the children, Perhaps she saw herself as a missionary whose job was to get rid of unwanted babies. Whatever the reason, Overby took it with her to the grave as she died in prison in 1929. Even the most vulnerable and helpless are not safe from those who we are supposed to be able to trust. Our next story will make you think twice if you're looking to rent a new place anytime soon. It'll make you wish you could check references on your landlady. How could a little grandmother harm so much as a fly? By giving it a fatal drug overdose, apparently. Dorothea Puente, a Sacramento landlady known as the boarding house killer, already had a checkered past when she took over the management of the F Street boarding house. She had been arrested multiple times once for running a brothel, once for vacancy, and twice for forging checks. She killed her roommate first, a friend named Ruth Monroe who was staying with her, and police bought her story. Ruth, she said, was depressed and had clearly overdosed on her pain medication. But her next poisoning sent her to jail. The resident she went after realized he'd been drugged and robbed, and he pointed the police straight toward his landlady. 
In jail, Puente began corresponding with an elderly pensioner. Their friendship turned to romance when they met after her release from prison, but it was tragically one-sided. Puente murdered him, dumped his body, and collected his pension checks for years before his corpse was identified. It was the beginning of a pattern. Puente would identify social outcasts like the elderly, the mentally disabled, and the alcoholic. Then, after murdering them, she would cash their government checks. Puente made over $87,000 this way, and used the money to buy herself, among other things, a facelift, before being arrested in 1988. Authorities, searching for a tenant a social worker had reported missing, noticed that it looked like something had been recently buried on Puente's property. They found seven bodies in Puente's tiny yard, and she was found guilty on nine counts of murder. She served 18 years in prison before dying in 2011. Hospitals are usually a place to go when you're in need of help. Unfortunately, there are some people who take that trust and make victims' families wish they were never admitted. Vicki Dawn Jackson was a serial killer nurse who never confessed yet was sentenced to life in prison on the evidence of a no contest plea. Ever since she was a little girl, Vicki Dawn Jackson wanted to be Florence Nightingale. As a nurse at her tiny hometown hospital in Nakona, she cared for her patients and won praise from her supervisors until the day she snapped and started killing her friends and neighbors. In 2000 and 2001, during Vicki Don Jackson's night shift in the tiny Nocala General Hospital, 22 patients died. On other shifts during the same period, there was not a single death. The hospital only had 45 beds, and the dead patients had been hospitalized for minor ailments, including a sore foot, diarrhea, or dementia. It was in February 2002 that it was noticed that more than 20 bottles of Myvicarium chloride, or Myvacron, were missing, and that the hospital pharmacist alerted law enforcement. Myvicarium chloride is used to temporarily paralyze patients during emergency care, stopping the natural breathing process to relax the chest muscles. It's typically used to add breathing devices to these patients. It can result in death if improperly used. An investigation turned up a syringe with traces of the drug found in Jackson's discarded trash. Jackson was suspected of murder, but more evidence was required, so the bodies of all 10 of her patients were exhumed. All showed traces of micarium chloride. She was forced out of her job and in July of 2002 was arrested and indicted for causing 10 deaths. FBI Special Agent David Brooms testified that Jackson was licensed vocational nurse, was angered by patients when other nurses were compassionate and showed humor. It was not until October 3rd of 2006 that Jackson gave up her efforts to go free. She made a no contest plea and two days later was sentenced to life in prison. The following is a timeline of everything that took place during this time period. December 2000 to January of 2001, eight deaths in 11 days among patients at the Nakona General Hospital. 
January 24, 2001. 95-year-old Oma Weiler died. January 30, 2001. Hospital officials know that one Mivacon vial was taken from the crash carts on the overnight shift of January 30th and 31st of 2001, a realization that triggered the facility's internal investigation. February 8th, 2001. Hospitals pharmacists report to the State Board of Pharmacy that, quote, at least 10 vials of Mivacron injection were either lost or stolen. June 2001. Bodies of the 10 people who died at the Nakona Hospital during that period have been exhumed to check for traces of the drug. July 2002. Vicky was arrested at a grocery store in Bowie, where she had gotten a job in the deli department fixing sandwiches. July 18, 2002. Vicky was indicted for 10 deaths. October 3rd, 2006. No contest plea was entered. October 5th of 2006. Vicky was sentenced to life. Remember, the face of pure evil can look like anyone. From the girl next door to the seemingly happy grandma, you never know. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Cryptic Portal. Remember to like or follow us so you won't miss any of the new episodes we bring to you every Wednesday. We appreciate your support and ask that you please share and leave us a review. If you have a story you would like featured on an upcoming episode, you can submit to crypticportal at yahoo.com. Narration, music and production by Mike and Marvin. Copyright Cryptic Portal 2022.